0: Bible or your iPad, your iPhone, your Android device. We're gonna, I'm going to invite you to take that out. We're going invi- to also invite you to take out the uh, little white sheet of paper inside your worship guide, which is our message outline for the day. We're in the last week of a short series, a three part series. This is part three of a series called The Secret of Contentment, The Secret to Contentment. And and I'm going to do a real quick recap today, but before I do that, and while you're trying to get hopefully you've got a pen, grab one of those too, because you're gonna, I'm going to ask you to circle some things and underline some things and fill in some blanks. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about what's upcoming. Next week, I am starting a brand new series that is going to lead us all the way to Easter. And we, um, we are going to have a chance to really push and grow into the spring together. Now, is anybody like me here? Are you liking the fact that you can walk out your front door and hear the birds singing? Are you liking that? I mean, is it crazy? I mean, it's February and the flowers and the trees are budding and blooming, right? And the birds are singing, and it, and 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 I I don't think it's spring yet, but it feels like it, doesn't it? Uh, now, in this season that we're about to enter into in the in the church, that season has been called Lent. Lent is a season of about 40 plus days that lead to Easter. And Lent actually starts this Wednesday night. It actually starts on Ash Wednesday. That's part of the reason we're doing a prayer vigil all day as we start this Lenten season. But it also is part of the reason we're going to be doing a concert of prayer on Wednesday night as we start a Lenten journey together. So I, I want to just mention to you Four things real quickly that are on the horizon for you that if you really think about, you have a chance to really push in and grow deeper on, all right? Number one, um, the prayer concert this Wednesday night. We're going to enter into a season of prayer and we're starting it off with the prayer vigil and the prayer concert so don't miss that opportunity number two next weekend we're starting a brand new series on the Gospel of Luke and all during the next few weeks i'm going to be reading stories out of Luke teaching out of luke we 're going to journey with Luke all the way through Luke all the way to the cross okay that 's where Easter is okay so we're going to be don't miss don't miss this series because it's going to be an awesome series as we journey through Luke together number three All during this series from the beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday, all the way till Easter, I'm going to be every weekend giving you certain chapters to read, and I'm going to invite you to read the Gospel of Luke with me during this Lenten season. So I'll be preaching about it. If you're coming on Wednesday night, you'll be studying about it, but I want to challenge you to read through Luke as part of your Easter journey, okay? And then lastly, um, we'll finally get to Easter together, and we will have focused our hearts around some prayer. We'll have journeyed through Luke together. We will have read through Luke together. And I pray that when we get to Easter, we will have grown in some deep places and really be ready for a word of death and resurrection and what that looks like for Christ followers like us. So I'm very excited about the series we're going to launch next weekend. Now today, we're going to close down a series, and I've been talking to you about contentment. And if you've missed part of this, don't forget that they kind of build on one another. We've been reading out of Philippians together, each each, uh, Sunday taking a portion of Philippians, their story, and talking about how they were not only generous, but they were content, and how Paul had learned contentment. Today we're going to read the entire passage and kind of close down the series. But if you've missed part of this, you can always find it on our website. You can stream live on our website, or you can um, you can pull it up on iTunes. So the secret of contentment. Now, real quickly, I'm just going to put a big screen up here for a minute. This screen is, uh, these are the things we've talked about. We've talked about that the secret of contentment is, is that contentment can be learned and that you can learn and practice just like you practice piano, baseball, football, whatever it is. You can learn and put practices in your life to learn contentment because the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. God wants you to live a contented life, not a discontented life where you always are unhappy and you don't know happiness and you always got to have more. And so here's some of the practices. I'm going to just put them all over the board for a minute. One of them that we talked about was being thankful. We read from Philippians 4 verse 10 and 11 that Paul was thankful. We were going to do these one at a time, you remember? We were going to be thankful. Thank you. We were going to be thankful and and we're going to learn and practice thanksgiving in our lives when all of a sudden you start practicing thanksgiving you have a chance to count your blessings right and it makes you more contented another thing we said was we want to be teachable we want to be teachable that got right there in philippians 4 verses 11 and 12 paul said i have learned it's not something that came natural to me it didn't i didn't wake up one morning and have it i have learned the secret to contentment He said, I've I've had it good, I've had it bad, I've learned this. And so one of the things that God wants to do in us is he wants to teach us contentment. That's what it means to grow up, okay, to learn contentment. We also said if God's teaching us, then we need to be willing to change, right? So the third practice was be flexible that when God tells you, when God teaches you, when God challenges you, when God pushes you and presses you, that you would flex, that you would change however God's calling you to change. And then another practice was be dependent. This is that classic verse that everybody remembers, right? I can do all things through Christ. We can live a contented life if we live a life that is dependent and and trusting in Him, not in us. And that's the key to that verse, trust in Him. Live a dependent life on Jesus. Now last week, I talked to you in that same chapter, in that same verse, I talked to you about developing some things in us and putting some practices in place. So one of the things I talked about was developing a personal compassion where you actually care personally about other people and what they're going through. And I even challenge you to make a practice with that personal, that personal compassion of actually looking at your life and saying, man, they have a need, I have a want, what would it look like for me to do without my want and actually meet their need? Remember that? That's a practice that if you start doing that practice, you put away a want that you have to meet somebody else's need because you are growing a heart of compassion, you will find yourself living in a more contented place by doing the practice work, right? Here's another one that we said, not just develop a personal compassion, we said develop a generous spirit. This is how you break the grip of greed, where you say, you know what, God called me to be generous. He's given me so much. So how can I be a giver instead of all you know just amassing more and more and more? And then finally, we said, every time you give, and man, this was right towards the end when Paul said, look at what you did. He was, he was writing a thank you letter to the Philippian church. He said, look what you did. And because you did this, it's a fragrant offering to God. And we said, develop a person, a, 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 an eternal perspective and understand that whenever God calls you to give, when you give you 're not just doing it in this moment, for this time, for that space, for that person, you're doing something in heaven there's a credit that's happening in your world in heaven, a good thing is happening for you there, an eternal perspective now what's the secret what's the big thing behind all these practices? I just ask him to put it right there in the middle that contentment can be learned that Paul teaches us that it can be learned. Okay, so before we read the scripture all together, I got to tell you something funny that happened. A couple of weeks ago, we we're preaching about this, right? And my wife, we have a little Yorkie at my house. We have two dogs, a lab that lives out um, outside, and inside we have a little Yorkie, you know, cute little five-year-old Yorkie named Charlie. That's our dog. But for some reason, I'll cross, ever since my wife got Yorkie, I mean, Charlie, uh, ever since my wife got Charlie, Um, And Charlie is supposed to be Alex's dog, not my wife's dog, but it's very much Julie's dog. Ever ever since that happened, when Julie pulls up in a parking lot at, at some place like PetSmart or Walmart and they're giving away or selling these dogs... I mean, it's like Miss Drama Queen's showing up to me, you know. We, can we have another Yorkie? Can we get another one? Charlie needs a friend. You know, all that stuff. And I'm like, no, when's Charlie going to die? You know, I, I mean, really, I mean, I don't want another dog. Now, I'm, I'm, I know I sound mean and like an ogre or something, but... But every time we have to have this conversation. And so now we're in this series, right? And, and a couple weeks ago, Julie leaves out of here. Actually, last weekend, Julie leaves out of here, and, and she, she drives over to a department store. And outside the department store are these wonderful Yorkies. And what's God teaching Julie, right? Right. He's teaching Julie about contentment, just like he's teaching you and me about contentment. And you know what? You remember the lures from last week? The lures, all of a sudden, in the front of Belk, there was these lures, right? More Yorkies, more Yorkies. She didn't even type up the text. She didn't even say, hey, Stephen, can we do another Yorkie? I, I, I should have brought my phone to read you the text. She said, today, out in front of Belk, they were giving away beautiful little Yorkies. And you know what I said? I said, God, thank you for the little lure I have at home, you know, and my little Charlie at the house. And she said, and and she closed out her text by saying, I am learning contentment. Guys, this is something that we all have to try to learn together. Now, you came to church on, (laughs) you came to church on a dangerous Sunday and you don't even know it yet. Well, we're going to study from scripture today yet. I ain't kidding you. This might have been a short series, but it's a powerful series, all right? We're going, to do, we're going to go a little bit deeper, but before we do that, no, we're going to go a lot deeper, but before we do that, can we just read Philippians all together? Well, you're very nice. I don't need it over here. Throw it over there somewhere. It'll roll off. Um, <clears throat> we're going to read Philippians 4 together, okay? So beginning in verse 10, Philippians 4, verse 10 and following, all right? And you'll hear themes, these themes of what we've been reading together. Philippians 4, Paul's writing a thank you letter, and he's... He's applauding the generosity of the Philippian church. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Remember, he's writing from prison. Here's a guy who in prison is content. He says in verse 11, in verse 11, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. There it is. I've learned it. He's going to say it again in another way. Verse 12. We can go all the way through, quick. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or whether hungry. See, I had to be flexible because God was teaching him, well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this is what we studied last week. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. You partnered with me. You koinoniaed with me. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, they had been a church for about 10 years. When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. Listen to this. This is that eternal perspective. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment. It's like I've got your gift in my hand. I've received full payment, and I have more than enough. He already had more than enough before their gift showed up because he had already learned what it was to be content, right? I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And now today's scripture. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And we're going to just keep that there for a minute. And my God, that's that's today's verse. And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches in, in glory in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying is look at what you have done. You've had a huge heart of compassion. You did away with your wants. You looked at my needs. You met me in ministry. You shared with me in ministry. You generously gave to me. When you did that, not only did you bless me, you blessed God. And now here, here's the way God works. <laughs> Whenever you do God's business, God's going to do business for you. Whenever you sow the way you've sowed, God's going to look after you because he's a heavenly father. He's a good father. And now, my God, because of what you've done, he is going to meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. By the way, if you got your pen, would you just circle a real quick word there? Circle the word needs. You know what God's been showing me? There's a difference between my needs and my wants. (laughs) You know, sometimes people, people, they they learn this principle that we're going to learn today about what it really looks like to sow God's way. And then they look at their life and they go, okay, now God, I'm fully expecting you to bless me. Your word says, bless me, bless me, bless me. And sometimes the blessing doesn't quite come like they expected the blessing to come. And it's because they think that wherever they are, you know, oftentimes here's what we tell God, wherever my standard of living is, I'm going to keep it there because that's comfortable. All right. I like my standard of living and God, I'm going to do for you. And if you, and as I do for you, I know that you'll do back to me and bless me and keep me at my standard of living or maybe even improve it, you know? And you know why we think that? Because we really don't know the difference between wants and needs. I mean, I started thinking about this past week. I mean, cable, TV, phone, cell service, internet. You know how much we look at as needs in our life that really are just wants? We have so many wants in this life. And we look at them like they're needs. What did he say to the church? Don't miss it. He did not say, and my God will supply all your needs and wants. He didn't say that. Here's the promise. Don't miss the promise. Whenever you do God's good work, whenever you sow out and you do the way you've done at Philippian church, my God's going to look after you and he is going to supply and he's going to meet every one of your needs. You know, my mind runs to right now um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you know what your hierarchy of needs are? Anybody remember what they are? The three hierarchy of needs, what are they? Help me out. Food, shelter, clothing, right? Then now, if you can understand that, food, shelter, and clothing, everything else beyond that is a want. Did you have you ever thought about that before? Food, shelter, clothing, and everything else that's your needs. All right. And everything else beyond that is a want. That's amazing. If you think about it, what Paul is saying, don't don't miss Paul. We're learning from Paul. Paul says, I've had plenty and I've had little. You know what I've figured out? I've I've had food and I've had clothes. I've had shelter. I've learned what it's like to be content, even in my little, in my very, very little. I've learned that. And he looks at them and he says, I'm not going to talk about what your wants are. I want to talk to you about what your needs are. And God is going to meet your needs. Whatever your needs are in your life, he's going to meet your needs and he's going to look after you. Now today I want to talk to you about the last big practice, okay? I've been talking, a whole series about been about practices. Practice this, practice that, practice this, practice this. And if you practice, do these practices, you're going to learn what it looks like to really be content. Today I want to talk to you about a final practice, okay? And here's the practice. I want to get you to write it up. In your notes it says the principle. You might want to even... Mark that out and say the practice. It's a practice and it's a principle. And it's called the law of the harvest. Write that down. The law of the harvest. You want to learn what it's like to be content. Today we're going to be talking about the law of the harvest. Sometimes the law of the harvest is called, goes by different names. Sometimes it's called the law of reciprocity. So you can write that down as well. Reciprocity, reciprocity give and take, back and forth, reciprocity. And sometimes it's called the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing. But it's all the same thing, okay? And it's a scriptural principle. And here's the incredible thing. It's not a New Testament principle. It's not an Old Testament. It's throughout the whole Bible. It's in the book of Genesis. It goes all the way to the end of the Bible. The law of the harvest. Now, the law of the harvest is spoken of of many times in the Bible. But the one that I want to focus in on here together is right out of Luke chapter 6 when Jesus was teaching about the law of the harvest. So let's just take a minute to read that. And sometimes I like to read things full voice full voice, so you can actually hear it kind of coming out of your own mouth, and you can think through it yourself. So we're going to do that. We're going to read these words, which are the words of Jesus, and he's going to tell us the law of the harvest. So if you will, Luke 6, 38, read this full voice with me. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is called the law of the harvest. And we're going to read it in several different versions this morning. But this is, this is the final practice that I'm just wanting to, 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 to let you hold on to today and then put into use. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. But he's also teaching about the kingdom of earth. Jesus is teaching about the law of the harvest. And here's what he says. Give and it will be given to you. Jesus is telling them the best way to live is that you understand, don't hold on to life, don't make your grip so hard that you're holding on to everything you have. The best way to live is understand that when you give, God has a way of giving back to you. It's called the law of the harvest. He says this, and when it comes back, it will be a good measure. It's kind of like seed. I always, In my mind, I always picture a big bag of seed, a good measure pressed down. You ever push seed down in a bag? Pressed down, shaken together. It's this idea of picking up the bag and shaking it so you can fit even more in it. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what Jesus is teaching here is is is, it is a financial principle, but it's far more than a financial principle, okay? What Jesus is saying is give, and it's going to be given back to you in whatever measure you give. Look at that last point that with for what the measure you use, it will think of the sizes of scoops. You might have a little small scoop or you might have a cup size scoop or you might have a bucket sized scoop. What is the measure that you use to measure out how you're going to give? Because that's what measure is going to come back to you. If you use a little small measure to give, that's what's going to come back to you. If you use a big measure to give, that's what's going to come back to you. This is the law of the harvest. This is the law of reciprocity. This is the law of sowing and reaping. And Jesus is teaching this about every avenue of your life. He's teaching this about about your words and how you sow your words and they will come back to you. He's teaching te- about your deeds. If you sow deeds, you sow action, you sow love, you sow friendship, these things will come back to you. Jesus is teaching us a principle called the law of the harvest, and it's everywhere. It's everywhere on the whole planet. So in one place later on, he's teaching on the law of the harvest, and he says a seed, a singular seed must fall into the earth, and it must die to then produce a harvest a hundred, a thousand fold. This is the way life works. Now, anybody who was a farmer sitting there listening to Jesus that day would know, they'd be like, duh, you know, I get this, right? That that makes plenty of sense. But what Jesus was teaching about was so much more than just one little small thing where it came to money or finances. He was teaching about how God works in the world. And so when Jesus was one time teaching disciples, his followers, he said, listen, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give your life away, if you give it away, it will come back to you. You see the law of the harvest? You see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is teaching that this is everywhere, the law of the harvest. If you give, it will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap. And whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So he's talking about spiritual things, but he's talking about life. He's talking about how we're supposed to live. Now listen, you live in a world where the mantra is, Get, 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 get. More, 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 more. Now, now, now. That's the world we live in, right? And Jesus comes along and Jesus says, give. And it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So much all over your lap. And whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You know, one of the things I, I like to do before we even dive deeper into this law of the harvest is I like to just real quickly hit the pause button with you, and I just want to real quickly acknowledge the elephant in the room. As I've started to talk about this, you've started to realize there are big implications to this, okay? Anytime I start teaching about the law of the harvest, you start going, I know this because I, I, this, is, this is true of my own life. When I start realizing the implications of the law of the harvest, I, start, I almost sit back and I go, whoa, wow. What does this mean about how I give? What does this mean about how I talk? What does this mean about my home? What does this mean about my work? What are the implications? Because the implications are huge. And what we're going to study today, let me, I'm going to be very frank. I'm still hitting the pause button, right? I'm going to be very frank. I'm going to lead you down the end of a road. And when we get to the end of the message today, you can only go left or right. You're either going to say, hey, I believe it's true. Or I don't believe it's true. And you're going to have a decision to make about whether you really believe in the law of the harvest. Or you don't believe in the law of the harvest. Because it impacts how we live. It impacts everything about us. And and I guess what I want to say before we even dive into Paul's version of the law of the harvest is. Guys, listen. We live life most of our life like we only have so much stuff. And if if God calls us to give it away, then... Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to give away. And what if I don't have enough for me? We, th- we, 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 think, we think pie mentality. I only got so much pie. And if I take off a little slice here and I give it away, what if I don't have any pie left? I want pie. My neighbor's got pie. Why can't I have pie? I like pie. You know. And that's the way we live. And what God is saying was, is, 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 for some of us in this room, let me tell you what God's saying today. He's saying, could you trust me with a piece of pie? I gave you the pie, but, but, but I gave you a pie. Would you trust me if I told you to give away a piece of pie that I have the ability to bring more pie your way more than just the original pie? I know you're only thinking about your little pie. I got to hold on to my little pie and listen, church for some of us today, when we get to the fork of the road at the end of studying Paul, you know what you're going to have to face? You're going to have to say, God, have I been giving you my piece of the pie? Have I been living the give life? Or have I been living the get more, 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 now, now, now American life? Am I ready to give you my piece of pie? But there will be some of us who are beyond that. There will be some of us, you know what God's asking you to do? You, you've learned it already. You know that every time you give, God gives it back. With the measure you use, he'll bring it back. Full, overflowing, pressed down, shaken together. For some of you guys, he's gonna, he might call you to give away your whole pie. And you've learned this. You've learned this. God's the God of all pies. He'll bring a whole truckload of pies. If I give away my pie, he's, he's got truckloads on the way. God's going to give me a truckload of pies. And some of us in this room, you're my heroes. I'm still learning about, you're teaching me about how to be generous in giving people. And for you, you give away truckloads of pies every day. The rest of us are all worried about a little slice. You're giving what? You, you live this give life. You live it. And you're giving away truckloads of pies all day long because you know that a ship's coming in your way. Are you tracking with me, guys? God wants us to learn the amazing teaching of Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure. This is who God is, not about you. And Paul said, my God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Trust him in this, right? You're going to come to a fork in the other day, and you're going to have to say, do I trust him or not? Is it true or not? Is the law of harvest real or not? And am I living by the law of the harvest in my life? That's the key question. Now, so how does the law of the harvest work? How does it work? Let's unpause the button, and let's dive into it together, okay? How does the law of the harvest work? So number one, if you will, fill in that blank right there. When you have a need, you plant a seed. When there's a need in your life, you sow, all right? You sow. You give. Whatever that give looks like, you give in your time of need. Stephen, are we talking about financially? Maybe. Possibly. This definitely is uh, applicable to finances. But as you'll see, it's so much bigger than finances. The law of the harvest is life. It is financial, but it's life as well. So when you have a need, plant a seed. Now, Paul says it this way when he's talking about the law of the harvest, 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Does that sound vaguely familiar to the teaching of Jesus? With whatever measure you use, it will be measured back to you, right? So Paul is saying, listen, remember, this is the law of the harvest. And and if you sow, it's going to come back to you. Now, if you sow generously, it's going to come back generously. If you sow miserly, it's going to come back miserly. Whatever measure you use, it's going to come back to you. Now, you might want to write in your margin there. I didn't put this in my notes. But you never reap in the same season you harvest, right? That makes sense. I mean, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. You never reap or harvest in the same season that you sow. You get that picture? So when you sow, you're going to reap in another season. We're going through seasonal change right now, so that should make all the sense in the world. Whenever you sow, you're going to reap in the next season, not right now. You're sowing, and you're going to reap a harvest. This is the way the law of the harvest works. So remember this. Whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously is going to reap generously. When you have a need, when you have a need, plant a seed. Question. Question. What's the need in your life right now? Could you name the need in your life right now? Some of you in your life right now, you have a financial need in your life. That's a need. Some of you have a relational need. There's a broken relationship. You have a need. Some of you have a longing for a relationship that you just don't even have yet. You want it. You have a need. Some of us have uh, social needs. Some of us have uh, material needs. Some of us have emotional needs. Some of us have physical needs. What are the needs? What is the need in your life right now? Are you getting this? What Paul is saying was whatever your need is, sow, sow, and God will bring a harvest. So let's just say, for example, somebody in the room here today, you would say, you know what I need? I need, I want, I long for, this is my heart's cry, I need Attention. I need somebody to to know that I'm here, to know that I'm present, to pay pay attention that I'm even a person of worth. If that's your need, what do you need to sow? You need to give attention away. You need to sow attention to somebody else. And you watch what would happen when you give attention, give your attention to somebody else, and watch how God will bring back a harvest. You give a little bit, he's gonna bring back a little bit. You give a lot of attention somewhere else, he's gonna bring back. Now, you see how this works? My attention's affection, Stephen. Give affection away. What would that look like for you to sow affection if that is your need? Whatever your need is, plant a seed. Are you seeing how this works? Stephen, I need, I just want a friend. My deepest need in this world is something so simple that everybody else has. I just want a friend. Listen. What would it look like for you to name your need and now plant a seed? Sow a seed of friendship some way. Sow a seed of friendship or multiple seeds of friendship and then watch what God brings back in the harvest. Are you seeing me? So here's the practice. You want to learn contentment? You learn the law of the harvest. And whenever you have a need, you plant a seed and you allow God to be true for who God is. God will bring a harvest back of whatever you sow. All right? Are you seeing the implications? It's bigger than money, right? Are you tracking with me? All right, good. Everybody understanding this, right? This is the law of the harvest. So number one, I'm done with it. When you have a need, you plant a seed. All right, here's number two. Write this one down. Give with the right motive. You cannot give to the law of the harvest with the wrong motive and and expect it to come back to you. It actually goes somewhere else. But let's understand that a little bit more. It says, each of you, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So what Paul is saying right there is you need to make sure you got a good heart check on whatever you're sowing, because whenever you sow it, your motives have got to be right. See, some people they understand the law of the harvest and they they think they're you know they think they're going to be really smart, right? Oh, I'm going to trick God, you know? I'm going to trick God. I'm going to give and I'm going to give, 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 and I'm going to get, get, get. So I'll just I'll just sow over here because the law of the harvest is true. And let me tell you, you know, like Price is Right, ah, that don't work, okay. You cannot trick God. You cannot play games with God. God's the one who set the thing up in, in place, and he knows your heart, all right? And so what actually happens, if you give with the wrong motive, and you start sowing over here just so you can get, 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 and it's all about you, let me tell you, what actually is going to happen is that harvest is going to go into somebody else's life for somebody else's good. God will still bring good about in it. But here's what Paul says. I, I Underline four things. Notice, here, he tells us how to have him check your motive. Four ways, it's right there in that verse, to check your motive. Underline underline four phrases. The first phrase is this, what you have decided. Underline that, what you have decided. The second phrase is this, not reluctantly. Thirdly, underline this one, under compulsion. And finally, underline these two words, cheerful giver. That's how you check your motive when it comes to how you sow into the law of the harvest. So let's take them one by one. The first one is this. Each of you should give what you have decided. And you're, just to draw a line away from that and write down the word thoughtful. The first thing that you do when it comes to giving and sowing God's way is you're very thoughtful about how you give. You're thoughtful. You just don't... Let me tell you, can I just... I'm going to confess to you something. When I was a young Christian, nobody really taught me how to give. And so I would go to church or I would be at a concert, or I'd be at a ministry gathering, whatever I was at, and whatever money I had in my pocket, that's how I would, I would think about what I wanted to do. And so like, if it was a great worship service, I might give a lot. And if it wasn't so good and I didn't feel very inspired, I might give a little, or I might not give anything at all. It's kind of like a movie. You ever went to a movie and it, saw a great movie? You know, I, I'm willing to pay $20 for that one, you know. Or, or, and sometimes I would give $5, sometimes give $1. I would measure it upon how it was. And you know what I was doing? I was giving emotionally. There was no thought pattern. Nobody had ever taught me these principles. I, I, I had not decided in my heart anything to give. And so I was giving emotionally, which was, and, and then, <laughs> here's how bad it was. I would give my little $20, and I'd walk away feeling like I'd done something great. Woo, look at me. I'm a generous person. I mean, I was so clueless. That was my movie. Clueless. I was clueless. I didn't have an idea. I didn't have, what does the Bible teach us? Every person should give what you've decided in your heart to give. This is a thoughtful, prayerful decision. You know, you're making a decision on what you're going to sow. You don't just make a decision at the moment and then feel really you know, good about or bad about it. It's not about emotions. You make a thoughtful decision about what you're going to sow. Look at the next one. Not reluctant. Now, that word reluctant has at its root the word miser. And by the way, if you haven't, if you have figured this one out, every one of us have a little miser inside of us, all right? Even the most generous person in the room has a little bit of, a little, little little Scrooge inside of them, okay? Every one of us. And the question is, are you feeding Scrooge or are you not? You know, or is Scrooge getting bigger in you? And you and, and you're becoming more miserly or less miserly. And what Paul says is, don't give like a miser. By the way, miser, what, what, if you're a miser, what do you become? miserable 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 right Miser miserable that's who yeah so you become right so paul says don't give reluctantly don't give like a miser you know don't give that way and he also says look at this he says not reluctantly and not under what's that word compulsion so you know right out from right out from where it says uh, what in your heart you wrote the word thoughtful maybe right next to reluctant you just draw a little write out not miserable or not miserly and then out from this one where it says under compulsion you just want to write a little arrow out and says without manipulation God doesn't I, I, let me tell you when, when I feel manipulated, when I feel like somebody's trying to do something to get me you know, show me a bunch of pictures of children with swollen bellies and flies all over the place, and when I feel like they're trying to get me and pull me and tug me, and if you don't do this, nobody else will. When, whenever I feel that, that's like a radar goes off for me. And it's like I, God told me not to give under compulsion, not to give pushed. That's where that word comes from. You're being pushed into giving. God says don't give that way. But he says this, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, those last two words, cheerful giver. The, the Greek word from that word cheerful literally is the word hilarious, okay? It's, it's having fun. It's loving what you're doing. It's sowing because you know that you love and you, God wants you to sow. In my margin, I wrote the word enthusiastic. People say to me all the time, I'm enthusiastic, and I know I'm a high-energy person, but let me tell you, it's one of the greatest compliments I'll ever get that I'm enthusiastic because the Greek word theos is at the heart of enthusiastic. It means God is with you. Did you know that's what enthusiastic meant? God is with you. And so get this picture. You're giving, and you're giving enthusiastically with God right by your side. God is with you, and you're giving. That's That's how this is supposed to work, all right? So what are we talking about here? Number two, don't, don't, don't think you can play a game with this. Your motives have got to be right. You've got to give God's way. Thoughtful, not miserly, not being pushed into things, but with God by your side, enthusiastically and, and hilariously, sowing, sowing, knowing that this is God's way. Jesus said, give, and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, dumped over, pouring into your lap with whatever measure you use. It will be measured back to you. Now the third one, write this one down. And then here's what God does when you start showing: God will give everything you need in every area of your life. Now, I didn't say he's going to give you every want, but what I will say is that God will give you, I, I, it's not from me, this is from the scripture, we're going to read it together. God will give you everything you need in every area of your life. Now, if you don't have a pen in your hand, this is where you're going to miss out on this Sunday. We're going to do a spiritual experiment, and I'm going to open up your eyes to a really cool thing, okay, if you have a pen in your hand. So we're going to read this scripture, and I want you to do me a favor. Every time we get to the word all, and every time we get to the word every, I want you to circle it in your outline there. We're going to read this entire scripture. And watch how God wants to meet every one of your needs in every situation when you sow God's way. The Bible says this. uh, We're going to read it all the way through. and, And remember, every time all and every time every. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having, that one's supposed to be bolded, all that you need, you will abound in, circle that word, every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. It's this idea of the harvest. And then the next next scripture. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way sorry for that word every, so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's break it apart. Let's go back to the first part, all right? That all and every, all in every. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things... <laughs> hey, everybody look up here for a minute. Hear me, hear me, everybody. I, want to hear. I am not talking about money today. Did it say that God is going to be, uh, bless you abundantly so that in all money He will... But no, it doesn't say that. It says all things, right? So you want to be blessed in all things? You learn the law of the harvest. You'll be blessed in all things. Whatever those things are, they can be, you, 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 you can be made rich in in, in uh, emotionally, relationally. You can be made rich intellectually, you can be made rich financially, you can be made rich in a lot of different ways if you learn this the way you sow, okay? This is the way you sow. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. There it is, the word need again. It doesn't say want. It doesn't say want, it says need. All things, all times, all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, track with me here. Do you see what God does? God, he's, he's wanting to bless you, but he's wanting you to live differently than the world. He doesn't want you to live like the rest of the world, more, 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 get, 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 now, 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 hold on to my little piece of the pie. He wants you to understand the law of the harvest so that you're sowing and you're sowing. You're sowing with your your financial resources. You're sowing with your material resources. You're sowing with your words, your actions, your life. You're sowing, 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 sowing. You're living a sowing life. And then here's what God says. If you do it my way and you do it with my motives, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to abundantly give you all things, all times, and you will have all that you need. Can I just talk to every leader in the church here for a minute? Can we just leave our personal lives for a minute? Hey, if you're a leader in this church, can I tell you this is God's promise for this church, no different than it is for our lives. When we sow beyond this church, when we don't just hold on to everything for us and we give away the pie, all right, as a church. Are you listening? When you sow beyond the church and you give away the pieces of pie, God will bring in more pie and he will always give this church all things, at all times, all that we need. That's the promise for every leader of this church. It's the same principle that flows in our own personal lives. Are you hearing me? This is how God works. And then he says this, and this is, let me skip to the second verse because I'm going to close down. He gives, uh, this is Paul, he gives another agricultural analogy. He's going to say three things that are agricultural, and then he's going to switch it, all right? Watch for the three agricultural things, and then watch how he switches the whole thing spiritually. He says this, now he who supplies seed to the sower. Underline that, underline that phrase. Seed to the sower. Now that's like, out from there you might want to just write down, you know, original supplies, or original stuff. This is what God gives you, okay? Seed to the sower. The next thing is, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Underline that one. Bread for food. Now, a farmer has seed to sow, but a farmer can take some of that seed, turn it into wheat, and have bread to eat on today. So bread for today, bread bread to eat on, is that's, for, that's today's supplies, okay? So you have what you're doing out in the field, seed that you're going to be doing. You're going to be sowing it out there for the harvest that will become. But in the house, he's going to supply what you need for today. Are you getting that? Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, here's the third thing, he will also supply, if you're doing it his way, and increase your store of seed. I don't mind that word, store of seed. Now, that's what you don't have out in the field, and that's what you don't have in the house that you're eating off of today. That's actually what you can now go put off in the silo or in the bin, okay? That's store for the future, for next year's harvest or the next year's harvest. God will give you what you need today for the field. He'll give you what you need today for the house. And if you do it his way, he will give you a store of seed For the future. (laughs) I just want to talk to some grandparents in the room here. You know what the Bible says about how you're supposed to be sowing up for your children's children. You remember that? This is part of that, right? You're sowing today, you're living on what you have here, and he's giving you a store of seed for the future. You get that picture? This is who God is. And Paul said, now again, this is agricultural, right? He's gonna give you a store of seed, he's gonna give you what you need for bread today. He's going to give you a supply, and increase of store for the future. Now he's going to switch the whole thing. And then he says this, And he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Two things. He will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. The first one is, only God can enlarge a harvest. (laughs) I mean, a a, a farmer can sow all the seed they want to, but they can't make a seed multiply to five seed or ten seed or a hundred seed or a thousand. Only God is in charge of the harvest, right? And so God says, I'll enlarge the harvest. If you do this my way, watch how I enlarge the harvest (laughs) of righteousness. He not only says he's going to bless the abundance, he says of who you are, of your righteousness, of how God looks on you. There it is. If you do this, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, you cannot shake this. God, here's what you got to... and I, Maybe I should have put it down as point number four or whatever. God does not bless you and bless you and bless you so that you can have more and more and more. God does not bless you and bless you and bless you so that your, your standard of living can just keep increasing and increasing, increasing, increasing. That's not why God... It's not scriptural. The scripture says God blesses you so that in every way, and on every occasion, you can be generous. Wow! This is the picture of who we are to be. We're the people who aren't supposed to be like the rest of the world. More, 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 get, get, get. Hold on to my pie! We're supposed to be the people who understand the, harvest of the, the law of the harvest better than anybody else on the whole planet. There, there, are, there, are, there, aren't who, there are people who have greater degrees than us in our workplaces. There are, there are people who have greater degrees than us in our neighborhoods, but they don't know the law of the harvest Like we know the law of the harvest. Because we know Jesus and Jesus says give. And it will be given back to you. Good measure. pressed down. Shaken together. Running over into your lap. With whatever measure you use, I will give it back to you. See, God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be rich intellectually. He wants you to be rich emotionally. And and you know what? Most of us already are. Right? We already are. Why has He made you rich? So that in every way, on every occasion, you can be generous. You can live the law of the harvest. Flip that outline over and let me talk about something that we need to talk about. And that is where it comes to our our resources. Man, money can have such a hold on us, can't it? And I just wanted to close this whole series by running back to Malachi because this was freeing for me. And for somebody here, if not many people, I hope it's freeing for you. In every New Connections class I ever teach, I teach that nobody ever taught me as a young Christian how to give. Nobody ever taught me as a young Christian what tithing was about. As a matter of fact, I had to learn it on my own as an adult. But when I finally got Malachi 3.10, Bring the whole tithe, that's 10%, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only place in Scripture where God says, test me, I challenge you. Test me on this. Trust me on this. Test me on this. Says the Lord Almighty, I'll say that differently, the Lord who can do all things. He is mighty enough to do anything. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You tell me that don't sound a lot like Jesus saying, give and it's going to be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your lap with whatever measure you give. And and, and, hey, listen, Harvest Point. People get bent out of shape on the whole percentage thing and on the first fruit. Is it this, this part of it? Is it my gross or my net? Can I tell you, just... Can you just kind of speed on past all that stuff? What we're getting into here is the law of the harvest. And God is saying, will you trust me with the first fruits and watch and live and learn about the law of the harvest in your life? And, and can I tell you, for the longest part of my spiritual life, I walked in guilt because I moved from giving my $25, $1 thing on how good the service was like a movie. I learned to trying and to give and I didn't really know how to do it. But I always knew I wasn't doing it God's way. And I knew I looked conspicuously more like people of our culture with the more get, get, get more, more, more than like Jesus. I just knew that. Until I finally came across Malachi and I said, okay, God. Matter of fact, me and Julie did this together. We're going to trust God and we're going to give him the top and the first. And can I tell you, not only did I start to walk in freedom spiritually, but man, I have walked. We've seen it. We've seen. We've just seen blessings. Not so that we would have a charmed life. Not so that life would get easier for us. But so that we could be made generous, able to give on any occasion. Now in order to do this Malachi thing, I always tell people, you, you need to learn how to plan. So don't, listen, in a minute we're going to take offering. And if you've never tithed before, probably this would not be a good moment for you. I don't, don't do it today. Don't do it today. Otherwise, you might be under compulsion. And the Bible says don't do that, right? The best thing that you could do is go home and talk about it if you're married or or, or make a plan if you're not. Make a plan. Talk to God about it. And and then follow that 2 Corinthians passage of sowing. And then then once you've made that plan, give it. And by faith, give it with a good, right motive. Sow it out. And watch what God will do. Now, I've been teaching this for years as a pastor. And, I, and I've seen all kinds of different things. And what I'm going to challenge you to do today is just like next weekend, we're going to start this Wednesday. We've got a prayer vigil, right? And, and Wednesday night, we've got a prayer concert. And then the next Sunday, we're going to start, a brand, it's, the, it's the opening um, Sunday of March, I think, right? We're going we're to start a journey towards Easter, the Lenten season. We're going to be reading Luke. We're going to be studying Luke. I'm going to challenge you to take a 90, if you've never done this before, test God. I mean, it's not really my test. He says it test God and consider taking a 90 day challenge what would happen God if I sowed with 10% 90 days and I actually practiced, I mean, you can come to church all day long and we can talk about practicing thankfulness and teachability and flexibility and dependence on God and personal compassion and generous spirit and eternal perspective and we can do all that we want to but if you don't actually put this into practice yeah, you have to have a chance, so today I'm giving you a chance I'm testing you I'm, I'm challenging you I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm begging you Put God to the test. He said it, Malachi. Next 90 days, say God, we're going to give you the first fruits of our income. And I've been doing this across the years, and can I just tell you that I've had all kinds of different stories. I've had. I remember one lady came to me, and she said, I, I literally doubled my clients after I did that in the next month, and I said. She said, does this happen all the time? I was like, I don't think so. But that's awesome because God blesses you. God's blessed you that way, you know. Another person, uh, another, another man came to me and he said, you know what? I've, I've always done pretty good in sales, but I did this. I took God. You know what he did? He made me the number one salesman over the last two months in my company. I was like, don't expect that, but yay, that's awesome. That's God. Look what God did. God's blessing your, your test, your challenge. I had a mom who is a, a, a wife and a, and a mom to three children and a, and a great husband and she came to me one time and she took this challenge and you know what she said? She said, can I tell you that um, that 90 day challenge has not helped our finances one iota. Our finances pretty much after we took the challenge are about the same as they were before the challenge. And then she started to cry and she said, but can I tell you the one thing it did change? My husband and I got together, made a plan, we prayed about something together, and we've been more united around this in our marriage than any other thing we've ever done in our life. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? God gave them unity in their marriage. And, and see, I'm, I'm not making you a promise because it, it ain't my challenge. It's God's challenge. I ain't going to write you no check. Just joking. Kind of. What would it look like in March, April, and May? I'll say it differently. Beyond the 90-day challenge. You believe the law of the harvest is true or not? Because if it's true, you have to analyze how you're sowing and how you're reaping. And I just want to see us at this church. I just want to see us grow up and be like Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I don't want us to be a church filled with... I don't think you want it either. You, you don't want to be one of those people that's just more, 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 get, 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 now, 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 now. now. I'm living to this level now. Can I get more? Can I get this, this, and that? Let me tell you, you will look a lot more like in the world than you look like Jesus. So what are we supposed to look like? We're supposed to be a people who understand the law of the harvest, who are thoughtful sowers. And when we sow, we don't sow like misers. And we don't sow in a compulsion, but you know what we sow? We sow enthusiastically, and we understand that as we sow, God will bring some type of harvest in another season back to us. And as we do it, we are growing up. and We are learning the secret of contentment. Would you bow your head with me? God, I thank you so much for your word because your word is the real deal. Your word is life. And um, I pray that you would grow us up. Lord, for some of us, that might mean today you're talking about us, to, to us about our little piece of the pie. And for others of us, I think you might be talking about the whole pie. And now we need to give it all to you. Teach us that you're the God who makes all the pies and who who supplies us with all the pies and that you will will be the law of the harvest. You will do the law of the harvest because you're the one who started it and it was your idea and you put it in place. And I pray for every person in this place in the name of Jesus and who's listening beyond this room that takes that 90-day challenge that you would be to them God Almighty, the God who is able to do all things And that you would open up the windows of heaven and that you would pour out so much a blessing that they cannot hold it all. I pray that you'd be faithful and true according to your word. And that you would do it in the name of Jesus. So that we would be enriched and in every way, on every occasion, be able to be generous to others. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Church, can you say amen? So be it for us.